What's up, everyone? This is Cortland from NDHackers.com, and you're listening to the ND Hackers podcast. More people than ever are building cool stuff online and changing their lives in the process. And on this show, I talk to these ND hackers to learn about the ideas, the opportunities, and the trends that they're taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. If you've been listening to the show and you want an easy way to give back, do me a favor, leave a quick review for us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show, and it makes me a happy podcaster. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how indie hackers are making a living off the back of paid content. Obviously, the big winner in 2020 uh, when it comes to content was paid newsletters. It seems like everybody's got one, and a lot of them are doing very well. So check out episode uh, number 161 with Sam Parr. I talked to him about the Hustle Trends, a paid newsletter he started. That's part of his newsletter company that was recently acquired for something like $27 million. Episode 164 with Scott Keyes of Scotch Cheap Flights who's somehow making it through the pandemic and the lower travel with his paid newsletter. And Drew Riley in episode 173, who started up a newsletter to help indie hackers capitalize on trends and is doing pretty well for himself as well. And here with me to discuss this is Yaroslav Bagri. He's part of the Indie Hackers Podcast Network. Yar, you got your own podcast and paid community. It's called Newsletter Crew. Welcome to the show. Hey, Cortland. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining. So we're going to talk about how people are making a living by writing online. But I think this is more than just about writing. I think other indie hackers are also sort of profiting from this trend where they're making apps and tools that cater to the newsletter ecosystem. So this is kind of why I think it's important to talk about. It's kind of why I keep bringing people on the show over and over again. Because whenever you see people finding some new way to make money, to chart a new path, create a new career, it creates pretty much an entire ecosystem where you don't have to be you know, the person writing the newsletter. You could be building a platform that they're going to write on. You could be building tools to help them write better. You could be putting out books and products to help them learn how to write better. Or you could start your own newsletter. Uh, I wonder what your thoughts are on this. You talk to way more newsletter authors than I ever have. Do you think that this is just an opportunity for writers? Or do you think the real opportunity is for people creating tools and platforms and building software for these writers? Yeah, no, that, that's definitely gonna, you know, a good question. And you know, I, I feel like every indie hacker should be paying attention to this trend. And I don't even want to call it a trend because I, I think it's here to stay. But I mean, there's tons of people that are writing on this trend as well. Like, you know, Janelle from Newsletter OS. We got, uh, I forget his name, Jacob Greenfield from Newsletter Spy. Uh, we got ConvertKit, which is also like an indie, you know, kind of homegrown indie hacker uh, product. And then we got the big kind of grill in the room, like Substack, you know, Ghost. But, you know, there's tons of other examples as well, like, you know, actual indie hackers, you know, breaking into the space and, you know, making a decent living off of it. Tell me about some of these. What's a newsletter spy? Newsletter spy, yeah. So newsletter spy is, uh, you know, it's, it's actually an info product. All it is is a landing page, an Airtable, and then basically it's behind a paywall. So what newsletter spy is, is essentially just a database full of 20,000 Substack newsletters. And, you know, you get the name, you get the URL, you get the tagline. Um, you know, you get the launch date, you get the subscriber options, you get the pricing options. So it basically just provides, you know, basically just data as a service uh, behind a paywall. I found it. I'm at newsletterspy.io. You're right. I mean, it literally is just someone went into Airtable and made a gigantic table of Substack newsletters. It says they have 20,000 Substack newsletters. And the use cases are you can use this to discover amazing newsletters or you can analyze competitors or you can identify abandoned newsletters that you can possibly acquire cheaply if you're an indie hacker. And whoever's behind this, they're just selling this access to this table for 15 bucks. That's it. Just like a one-time fee, get access, 15 bucks on Gumroad. Super simple. Yeah, and, and I think the first when he launched on Product Hunt, he made like I think 2K in the first day. So I mean it's really popular. People are, you know, wanting to pay for this type of information and it's great. I, I love it. I don't know how much he's making right now, but it's you know, it's definitely a great product. And uh, you know, and there's tons of other options, you know, other I guess, examples as well, if you have, you know, if you want me to get into those. Yeah, let's talk about some of the bigger players. So Substack obviously needs no introduction. It's like 
probably the platform that made paid newsletters sort of take off in the last couple of years. It just makes it super easy to basically start a newsletter, build an audience, and charge them for access to some of your issues. But then we've got some of the lesser-known players that I think people have been sleeping on a little bit. So there's ConvertKit, there's Ghost. Ghost has been around forever. It's a blogging platform. What are your thoughts on Ghost and how their paid newsletter subscriptions work? Oh, man. Yeah. So, and actually, I use Ghost for uh, Newsletter Crew. So it's not just a blogging platform. It's not just an email platform. It's actually also like a membership platform. And that's kind of the core feature that I use it for. And man, I love it, dude. I think this is the thing that's going to kill, well, maybe not kill WordPress, but like, I mean, why not use something that, you know, they don't charge, you know, like a, a monthly percentage, like, you know, Memberful takes 5% or maybe 10% of your revenue per month. Same with Substack, right? 10% of your revenue. It's insane. Which is super unique because almost every other tool basically charges you more and more money, the more money you make from your subscribers. Like if you have a Substack newsletter and you're making $50,000 a month from your subs, like you're paying Substack, what, 10%? Yeah, 5K, man. 5K Plus right fees? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you're paying like, you know, 13% of your revenue. And like, what are you really paying for? Like, what does Substack give you that Ghost doesn't give you? I, mean, I guess it's like a, a cooler brand. You know, maybe it's a little bit easier to set up. Why doesn't everybody just use Ghost instead of Substack? Honestly, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe it's just the marketing that Substack's doing. I mean, Ghost has been gaining popularity this last year from what I've been, you know, and I've been talking to some of the team members there and it's gaining popularity, but I honestly don't know. I mean, you don't even, it's not even that much more complicated than, you know, Substack. You can host with them if that makes sense for $29 a year. So it's like, no, they do all the tech for you if that makes sense. So it's like, all you do is have to, you have to go in, you write your newsletter, you send it out, and that's it. So honestly, I'm not exactly sure. I'm, I'm kind of baffled why, you know, Ghost isn't more popular than Substack at this moment because, you know, the economics make sense. Well, Ghost is doing pretty well as a platform regardless. So Ghost itself is an indie hacker company. It's started by John O'Nolan, who's been on the show twice. I need to have him on again and catch up with him, but they're doing millions in revenue. Uh, as you alluded to earlier, they kind of started off as a WordPress killer. So John was actually like part of the team developing WordPress, and he got a little flustered and said that you know this is kind of crappy. It's super bloated. I saw a good meme on Twitter the other day where like WordPress is one of the only ecosystems where every developer in it agrees that it's crappy. <laughs> there are no developer arguments. They all agree like this is shit. And Ghost is just a much cleaner, better. It's like WordPress for the modern age. And of course, now it's much more than WordPress. They actually help you build paid subscriptions, paid newsletters, paid blogs. So Ghost is obviously a very mature indie hacker company. ConvertKit is another very mature indie hacker company started by Nathan Barry. And they've recently moved into the paid newsletter space. But you're obviously talking to a lot of people on your podcast about newsletters, Jaro. Who are some like fledgling indie hackers who are building software and are profiting from you know, this trend towards paid newsletters? For sure. And, uh, you know, one really good example is Joshua Anderton. He has a product. It's making 5-camera RR, a solo indie hacker. It's called Upscribe. You know, it's also in the newsletter space. And it actually started as a, you know, medium form. So basically, you know, you have your blog on Medium. At the bottom, you put in your Upscribe form to actually, you know, help people sign up. And yeah, and he was doing that. But as time went on, you know, Medium just started to suck and suck more and people just started, you know, leaving it. So we kind of saw that trend of you know, medium sucking, and then he kind of saw the trend of newsletters, and uh, he kind of pivoted towards that. And and yeah, now Upscribe is a email marketing tool. It's really simple. Yeah, so all you do is, you know, collect subscribers, send marketing emails, email sequences, there's no bloat. Like I said, it's just really simple, and you know, he did it solo. Yeah, I'm checking his website out right now. It's upscribe.net. So it says just email marketing. That's all they do. That's it, no bloat. Uh, you can send marketing emails, you can send email sequences, so they're basically competing with something like a HubSpot or a MailChimp or a ConvertKit. And it's pretty crazy that one person does this. Like typically you would expect to have the infrastructure to send marketing emails. Like you would need a whole team of people working on something like this around the clock. 
But there's so many tools and platforms out there that you can build on that it's actually like not that hard to build a service like this. So uh, at Indie Hackers, I'm building my own kind of Substack clone, and I'm building it using Postmark, which is just kind of a series of APIs that send emails for you. And like Postmark is badass. Their APIs are amazing. The documentation's amazing. It's like really easy to use that. And so maybe 10 years ago, I would have needed like a team of 100 people to build something like this. But today, you can just do it by yourself, have your own sort of one-person shop building this, and then compete with like the bigger email marketing players like without that much hassle, really. Yeah, I totally agree. And also another example is uh, Button Down by Justin Duke. Um, he's also an indie hacker, solo indie hacker, also making 5K MRR on his product, which is just a really simple email marketing tool. And, you know, the way he started is, you know, like every indie hacker um, had a newsletter and realized that he could do it better. Um, and he also noticed that uh, you couldn't actually write newsletters with Markdown. So that's kind of one of the differentiating and unique features of Button versus like Substack. And yeah, so he kind of found his niche in there and uh, he's, he works at Stripe and he does this on the side. So yeah, and that's that's really cool. So really minimal as well. Just sends newsletters. I mean, that that's all it does. Yeah, he's also got another side project called Spoonbill. I think it's spoonbill.io. And it basically will track changes to people's Twitter bios and notify you when they update their bio. So a few months back, my buddy Julian, he was growing his Twitter account to like a massive size. And he tweeted some advice. He's like, hey, if you really want to get more Twitter followers, you need to restructure your bio so that it tells people what you tweet about so they know whether or not they should follow you. And everybody started changing their bio. And then everybody who signed up for Spoonbill started getting a ton of notifications. Like, why is everybody changing their Twitter bio? Like, what happened? Uh, and Julian's suite was kind of the cause of that. But it's pretty cool. This guy works at Stripe. He's got, you know, he's making five grand a month in extra side income basically on top of his normal salary just with these side projects. And let's check out his other one, Button Down. Never been to his website. So it's www.buttondown.email. And the easiest way to run and write your newsletter. So it's like a super simple Substack built around, like you said, Markdown. And what I love about this is people think that they can't start companies because the competition already exists. They think, okay, I can't start you know, a Substack competitor because Substack's already big. But like Substack itself doesn't seem to have that many defensive moats around it. Like It's not that hard to build something that allows people to send emails. And so if you have really strong opinions about like how email should be sent, if you think Markdown is the best, if you think every email should be under 500 words, uh, if you only want to focus on emails sent by you know churches to their congregations or emails sent by tech companies to their employees or something, like you could probably build a highly opinionated email marketing platform and carve out some niche. And there's going to be some like percentage of people for whom like that's much better than a very generic Substack or even ConvertKit or Ghost. Yeah, for sure. And you know we already have two examples of you know people hitting uh, five camera R with a really niche email newslettering platform. So I mean it's possible and. and you know, the market's so big. I mean, there's even more room for, you know, more of these products that solve one really specific, you know, use case within the email newsletter space. So yeah, 100% agree. Let's talk about your story. I alluded to it earlier, but you run the newsletter crew podcast and blog and paid community. And you've interviewed many dozens of people who are running profitable newsletters. So you, you've basically learned a ton and you kind of share what you've learned on your podcast. Uh, how'd you get into this? You know, what was your motivation? What's your sort of path to success as an indie hacker? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to, you know, summarize it pretty well. Yeah, I started indie hacking about a year ago, found indie hackers, and, you know, I'm really big into multiple streams of income, right? So I got some real estate, I got stock dividend portfolio, and I'm just trying to build other streams of income like SaaS. SaaS was one big income stream that I really want to build and, and still am building. Um, so after, you know, looking at browsing indie hackers, kind of trolling, and not, not really trolling, but, you know, just creeping indie hackers for months and months, I started noticing 
this, you know, newsletter trend, right? And people are actually making money off of newsletters. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Why not start my own newsletter? When was this? Was this like last year? This was at the beginning of 2020. So like, I think around February, Mar- uh, January, February, March timeframe, I was like, okay, I think I really want to do, you know, like start a newsletter, a paid newsletter, or, you know, just free newsletter. But I definitely want to have a newsletter as part of like one project that makes me some income, right? You know, it's possible. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, right? I'm going to, this is going to be my first project that uh, as an indie hacker, I'm going to make, you know, my goal is just to make 500 MRR per month on this newsletter. You know, I I started learning about it and there's tons of resources online right now. I mean, you got blogs, you got podcasts, I mean, you got podcast episodes. There was, actually, there wasn't any courses back then. Now, now there is, but um, I was just thinking, all right, let's kind of hop in. I started reading, you know, different resources. I listened to all the podcasts that were kind of one-off episodes, right? So kind of like your uh, Indie Hackers podcast with Sampar. But I noticed there wasn't a full podcast that's just dedicated to this one uh, discipline, right? Um, And that's kind of how I learned. I, you know, when I go to the grocery store, when I drive to work, I pop on a podcast. I like to learn passively. So I just searched newsletter in uh, Apple Podcasts and literally got nothing. <laughs> there was a podcast about a uh, newsletter, but all they do is just read their newsletter, right? So that, that's like the top hit was was that. So they like, read their own newsletter on the podcast? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's what they do is basically, I think it's called like the Salvation Army newsletter, which is like, I don't know, I think they have a newsletter and they just read it as a podcast. I'm not exactly sure. It definitely wasn't what I was looking for. So I was like, you know, why not just create this, you know, I was, what I wanted to do was actually interview uh, newsletter creators myself to learn and why not just bundle it up, record, edit, and then publish it for everyone else to learn about. So that's kind of what I did. And that's kind of how uh, Newsletter Crew started is, is a podcast. So this is like the Andy Hacker's playbook, right? You're trying to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. trying to learn something, specifically something that's really, you know, lucrative or valuable, like something that like could be a lifestyle for you. In your case, you wanted to make 500 bucks a month from your own newsletter. When you try to learn about it, you realize that, hey, there's very few resources. The way that you like to learn about it isn't there. And then you just go create that resource yourself because there's probably other people like you who want to listen to a podcast that helps them get better at writing a paid newsletter. So it's literally exactly what I did with Indie Hackers. And I think this playbook works for pretty much any like new industry, new trend. Uh, you see people getting big on OnlyFans or on TikTok, et cetera. Yeah. Like, there probably should be newsletters and courses and blogs and communities around like getting better at these things because people are motivated when they realize they can make a living doing these new different things. So in your case, that was actually starting the Newsletter Crew podcast. Yep, yep, exactly, yep. And that, that's how it started as a podcast. Um, and then slowly, I started adding more and more onto it. And just kind of by randomness, I stumbled upon, after my first product hunt launch, uh, one guy who ran IndieMailer, IndieMailer.com, that was a community for newsletter creators. Apparently, you know, he saw how popular my product hunt launch was, which is also a paid community, um, a completely different product. And he was like, hey, man, I don't have time to actually run this anymore. And I don't really have the motivation as well. But it looks like you're running a pretty interesting paid community. And obviously, it's popular because you got product of the day. Why not just uh, buy this off me? And I was like, yeah, dude, I'll totally buy this off you. And uh, I actually got it for 100 bucks. So... A hundred bucks? Yeah, dude. It was... Yeah. How, How big was this community? Uh, it wasn't that big. I mean, there was about 130 people when I acquired it, so all paid. I think the ARR was only like 1.5K or something like that, but it was really inactive, man. Like when I went into it after purchasing it, I was like, dude, this is pretty dead, actually. My understanding or my looking into the future was that like 80% of these people are going to churn when the year comes around, right? Because uh, it was yearly membership. And actually, he wanted to give it to me for free, but I was like, I can't just take this for free, man. Let's just <laughs> okay, Let's I just see. do like 100 bucks to like... 
Right. I don't know, just just to solidify the sale, right? And he's like, all right, let's let's do it. So I gave him hundred bucks and acquired it, integrated it into uh, newsletter crew, and then started using the uh, podcast. You know, the audience that I'm building up with this podcast actually funnel more members into, well, Indie Mailer, which is now like just newsletter crew membership, right? Uh, community. So I use the podcast to funnel members in, and you know, the community is thriving. Like it's it's like 10x the uh, well, the growth has like 3x, but. Uh, it's like 10x more active, if that makes sense. Like people are actually using right, it compared to like course. a year ago. So yeah, it was really, really interesting. And then after that, I added a blog onto it because, you know, why not? Um, and then from there, I started getting sponsors for it. And then uh, now I'm offering package deals for like the full sponsorships you get. You know, you get uh, ads in the newsletter, you get ads on the podcast, you get ads on the website. So that's a completely different revenue stream that I'm building with Newsletter Crew alongside the actual membership portion of it. So how much does it cost somebody to join your paid community and be a member? Um, yeah, so I actually, you know, when I first started, when I first acquired it from Indie Mailer, it was $19 a year. Then I started, you know, increasing the price. So it was $29 a year. And then it was 39 And then I actually interviewed Sam Parr on the, on the podcast just a few weeks ago. And he's like, man, dude, you're you're undercharging like tremendously. I'm like, Really? Like I'm already charging 39 bucks. Why would anyone want to pay more? And it's like, yeah, you should be and right. And that's that's my thought, right? And he was like, Yeah, man, you should charge two ninety-nine. And I'm like, well, actually I asked him, like, okay, how much do you think I should charge? And he's like, two ninety-nine. I'm like, dude, there's no way no one's gonna pay two ninety-nine. Like, I'm not Sam Parr, right? Like, I can't do trends, you know, because you know, trends.co is two ninety-nine for you. Like, I'm not Sam, I can't do what Sam's doing. Sam is like, that's not really my audience, if that makes sense. I tried 299 for a few days, got, you know, no like no one, no sales at all. And usually I get about one sale a day, right? So I did end up doubling prices to $59 per year. And that's kind of what it's at right now. But I might increase it. I might not. I, I don't know. It's memberships are really hard, if that makes sense. It's actually yeah. to figure out the pricing. But I hear you doing like the stereotypical indie hacker thing, like talking yourself out of why you can't charge, <laughs> why you can't <laughs> yeah. charge enough. You know, this is why Sam could charge and I can't. But like, well, yeah, I, I bet there's true. a case to be made that you could charge a least a hundred bucks and then you just really have to demonstrate the value but the, the good thing about charging more is it's a good forcing function for you to build things of value like if you think okay people won't pay a hundred bucks for my a month for my community uh, because it doesn't have x y and z well now you know exactly what you need to build <laughs> to get them to pay a hundred bucks for your community you know x y and z and i think if you charge less you're a little bit less motivated to build those things that are super valuable or to ask people like what would get them to pay more so I like that Sam sort of ribbed you and then tried to get you to pay more. It sounds exactly <laughs> yeah. like what he would do. And I, I agree with him. I think you should. It's not even per month. It's per year, right? So it's $50 per year. It's like five bucks oh, for bucks sure then. Yeah. You should 100%. You should 100% go higher than, than 60 bucks. But like that, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know if, you know, Newsletter Crew, yeah, it's a, it's a business in and of itself that's growing. But, you know, the main reason why I started all of this, kind of going back to my SaaS, you know, like that I actually want to build a SaaS is, I want to build a distribution channel for that SaaS in the newsletter mm-hmm. space, right? So I'm not sure how much time, you know, it's a balance. How much mm-hmm. time do I actually want to put into building newsletter crew and actually increasing the revenue and, you know, awesome features and content versus yeah. building an actual audience a distribution channel for, you know, like SaaS I'm building, right? So yeah, it's hard, right? I like breaking it into steps. Maybe one day your goal is you want to have a super profitable SaaS company that caters towards newsletter authors. But, you know, day one, like you start your podcast and you build the audience for your podcast. And then like once that starts getting pretty big, you funnel them into your community and you work on your community and like, you know, maybe you get your community and your podcast to the point where you can quit your job. And like, that's your only goal. And then once you get that, well, you now have a bunch more free time to work on like your SaaS or growing your audience, et cetera, et cetera. And so like one step leads to the next step leads to the next step rather than sort of the typical indie hacker trap of like trying to do everything all at once, all at the same time where it's really hard 
And you know, by the way, you're still working your full time job. Yeah, exactly. And you still got a bunch of other responsibilities, and there's no time in the day. Yeah, dude, I, I totally agree. And that's actually why I sold off a few uh, other products I was building earlier in the year, just because I like literally had no time. I spent 24 hours a week. I got a baby. You know, he's eight months old. I got a full time job. I got a wife, a uh, house that I got to tend to. <laughs> yeah, you got all the stuff. Dude, that's, yeah, exactly. I was like, I can't do this. Uh, so I just started cutting down things and, and you know, just trying. I, actually, I'm outsourcing a bunch of stuff now because Newsletter Crew is making around roughly, like if you count sponsorships plus memberships, it's around 2K MRR right now. Um, so actually not not too bad, right? Not enough to quit my job, but enough to actually start outsourcing people because like I literally just don't have any time to do any anything anymore. What's your quit point? How much money do you need to make every month before you quit? I hop back and forth every day. It's like, if it's a bad day at work, I'm like, dude, 3K and I'm done. Like, <laughs> but, if, but if it's a good day, I'm like, all right, 10K. I think 10K should be like fine. If, if I had 10K, like 5K is like that break-even point. Like if I can do 5K, you know, I live in Minneapolis. 5K is like, you can get far at 5K. So that's kind of the break-even point. But like, if I can do 10K, like I'm quitting the next day, man. Well, cool, man. I'm, I'm cheering for you. And I think you'll get there. You're already almost halfway. Uh, let's jump into some of these stories that you've heard about through running your podcast, uh, who are some newsletter authors and, and newsletter indie hackers that we should all be looking up to? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I think everyone knows the browser. It's probably the most popular and probably long lasting newsletter out there. It's been here for 10 years, right? And they got 60K readers, 10K of those are you know paid subscribers, You know, $5 a month, they're making 50K a month. And uh, that's one of the amazing stories I've heard on my podcast is uh, the browser. Yeah, I hadn't heard about the browser until I heard them on your show. And I love their longevity because it kind of proves that newsletters aren't necessarily a flash in the pan. You know, like so I got an email actually a few weeks ago saying like, hey, you know, this whole newsletter fad is just a fad. You should stop interviewing newsletter creators on the podcast because like nobody's going to be subscribed to this stuff come 2021, 2022. And it's not true. People have been subscribing to it for years. People will pay for value no matter how you deliver it to them. The fact that there's lots of competition doesn't really matter. So I like the fact that the browser exemplifies that. I don't know their story. I don't remember it. So what's the story behind the browser? Yeah, so basically uh, Robert, who's the the founder, yeah, 10 years ago, I think it was like 2008 or something like that, uh, used to work at you know Financial Times, uh, The Economist. He was kind of like the head editorial person there. And he started noticing that like, you know, they're moving all towards the digital uh, content, right? Like newsletters, they got blogs, you know, and he's just pretty much thinking like, all right, well, if, you know, some of these big institutions are actually, you know, going digital, maybe this is an actual trend that's going to be around for, you know, forever. And uh, he took the gamble. So he quit The Economist. But furthermore, he also started noticing that there's too much content on the internet, right? So, and, and this was 10 years ago, you know, imagine how much content there is now. So he's thinking that there's, you know, the internet needs more of a curator versus a, you know, creator, if that makes sense. So that's all he does is, you know, that's kind of how the browser started is, you know, he starts curating newsletters, or sorry, he creates uh, blog posts and, and articles on the internet uh, daily. So he pick us, picks out the five best articles, sends those as a newsletter, and uh, and people pay for it. So yeah, that, all he does smart. is curate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, he doesn't create anything, quote unquote, right? He's not writing anything new, but all he does is curate, and they're making a lot of money. I think curation is underrated. There's just so much information on the internet nowadays, and it's this weird dichotomy where for some people, that makes it easier to find stuff and learn. For some people, it makes it harder to find stuff and learn. So uh, let's say you're like a prototypical indie hacker. You have a high bias toward action. You're really good at using the web. You're really good at sorting through information. The fact that the internet has so much info on it is great for you because whatever you want to learn, like when you're trying to learn newsletters, like you're going to find every podcast, every course, like you know the Twitter accounts to follow, you're going to find it. But let's say you're like literally anyone else. The fact that there's so much information online is just like paralyzing. There's way too much for you to sort through. And so the bigger the internet gets, 
kind of the more stressful it gets and the harder it is for you to make a decision and pick what you want to learn from, what you want to read. So I like sort of the rise of curators, like the browser, where they're just saying, like, you know, we're going to do all the hard work. We're going to go out and like find all the best stuff for you to read. You don't need to browse Twitter. You don't need to scroll through a million different sources. Uh, you can just subscribe to us, and that's what we're going to do. This is literally exactly what we do with our newsletter, Andy Hackers. We're basically trying to give you like kind of the best need-to-know information as an indie hacker because I spent a lot of time myself like combing through Twitter and following like the right podcasts, et cetera. And it's like it's really like low signal. Like you have to listen to like, you know, a hundred hours of podcast audio to get like three or four hours of good, you know, information as an indie hacker about what you should be capitalizing on. And the same with reading newsletters and following Twitter accounts. And so curators are, I think, a little bit underrated. It's counterintuitive. You would think the more information that exists online, the less you need middlemen because everything's so democratized, you could just go out and find everything yourself. But like Actually, the more information there is, the more you actually want there to be some person who finds it for you. Yeah, so you know, to go along with your point, yeah, internet needs curators. But if you're trying to build a newsletter and you think this is going to be one of those four-hour-a-week businesses, it probably isn't. So Robert spends all day, like literally eight hours a day, combing through all the content on the internet to pick out like the 1% of the 1%. If you want to start a newsletter thinking it's going to, you know, you can work for you know one hour a day or one hour a week and make you know tons of money. I don't think it's going to be the right path for you, if that makes sense. Well, you're like a super efficient person, right? Like it actually kind of shocks me that he spends an eight hour workday putting together this newsletter. I mean, it probably is super good if he does. But I look at you; you're super efficient. I mean, you said you've got a full time job, you've got a family, you've got you know your community and newsletter and podcast and other projects you're working on. Let's say you were Robert, you're running the browser. Like, what would you do? to run it more efficiently so you can, you know, ideally curate the best stories on the web without spending eight hours a day on it. You know, the big thing is, you know, if you pick a really specific niche, right, so the browser just curates the best articles on the internet, like the full internet, if that makes sense. I mean, just imagine how much content there is coming out every day. So if you niche down, right, so if you're just like with indie hackers, right, it's just indie hacker blog posts, or if you're just in, you know, like the bootstrapping space or like gardening, um, you start curating content for gardeners, um, it's going to be a lot less time going through the full internet's content per day uh, than just doing like a specific niche like gardening. So that's one thing. And obviously you start building up your RSS feed, right? So you're not going through and combing through Reddit or Indie Hackers or Hacker News or, or wherever content is being pumped out that's part of your niche. If you have it kind of come to use, you can just kind of you know scroll through your RSS feed, pick up maybe the headlines that seem the, the coolest. Um, yeah. and, and actually, Robert, what, what his number one tip is, is that he knows uh, when an article is good or not based on the first like five seconds of reading the first two sentences, right? So he'll easily like scrap an article based off the first sentence. Like if, if it does, if it's not catchy enough or it's just not good enough, I mean that's it. He doesn't read anymore. I think he reads like literally thousands of articles per day, if that makes sense. Right. That's ridiculous. It's kind of a cool job to have, though. Like, let's say your goal is you want to be extremely well-read, well-educated. Uh, and you're having trouble doing it, you could start a business like the browser, and now you're literally forced to read uh, hundreds of articles a day if you want to just run your business. So assuming he's the, you know, he actually likes doing it, maybe that explains why he spends you know, his full work day doing nothing but reading. Uh, yeah, but exactly. I like your, your tip, you know, you constrain your focus to a specific niche. Uh, you won't have to read nearly as much content, and you could probably get off by spending much less time on it. Like I uh, was talking to Nivia Chanta. She's an indie hacker who has a newsletter called, it's called The Soapbox Project. And it's pretty cool. It's very mission-driven. And so her website, you know, it says, do you want to fight climate change, but you don't know where to start? We'll send you free bite-sized action plans every week. And literally it takes her, I asked her, like, how much time do you spend on this? And it's like 
three to four hours per newsletter, one newsletter a week. Super simple. And like the reason it's super simple is because she just like has marketed it as being bite-sized. It's not going to be something that's going to take you two hours to read like the Hustle Trends newsletter. It's going to be real right. quick, three-minute action plan. Uh, she gets spend the rest of her time working on growing her business, finding subscribers, you know, hosting events, et cetera. So I think there's lots of ways to sort of cut down on this massive time investment that it takes to start one of these. Yeah, for sure. And actually, to kind of go off that, there's, uh, I don't know if you know Andrew Camphy. Um, he's kind of a pretty popular yeah. guy on Indie Hackers. Yeah, he also had an idea kind of like this, like a daily newsletter, just really brief. We're talking like one paragraph long, you know, summarize one niche topic or like maybe just send one article per day. You know, that's in your niche. Uh, his was influencer marketing, but like, Let's say you pick, you know, gardening. <laughs> like in this case, I love gardening. Yeah, you just one article per day and it's just, you know, a daily newsletter probably take like 10 minutes or 20 minutes to do. So yeah, I mean, there, there's tons of ways you can kind of, you know, skin the cat, right, to write to, to do a newsletter. There's now one way to do it, right? You know, if that makes sense. So how do you make a newsletter last as long as the browser has? I mean, they've been around for 10 years. You've interviewed quite a few newsletter authors. Has anybody else lasted this long? And like, what do you see as like the commonalities and the tricks to make this not something that you flame out on? Yeah, so when you start your newsletter, don't think that, this is the newsletter you're going to be writing forever, right? I just kind of do it like, you know, like a SaaS product, right? So you, you know, you kind of iterate quickly, start with one idea, maybe do it for a month. Maybe it's a content curation uh, newsletter, you know, after the month, just look back at it. Did you actually like doing it? Uh, you know, was it a drag to actually do it? Was it fun to do it? Could you see yourself doing this for like another month? Or were you like, man, I can't wait for this month to be finished, right? Right. And basically just keep doing that until you find one that's like, you know, that checks all the boxes, that, you know, it was fun to do, didn't take too much time, you actually want to do it, and that's kind of the main component. I love that, especially because with content, any sort of content series, whether it's a blog, a newsletter, a podcast, tweeting, or you're posting on TikTok, or making YouTube videos, every time you, you put out a new piece of content, every time you send a newsletter, you're back to square one, and it's, it's kind of like a fresh start. You're not locked into anything. Like, if you're coding something, and you build a bunch of features... And then you decide you want to change directions. Like that's super hard. You got to throw away a bunch of code. You get a fresh start every time you send a newsletter. So why not, you know, go back to the drawing board if you're not really happy with how things are going? It's kind of a parallel, actually, with a lot of founders do this twelve startups in twelve months thing, which I've mentioned on the podcast, where they set out for the next year to actually work on twelve different things, and they're not going to work on all twelve at the same time. They do one per month. But usually, after about three, four, five months of starting different things, you realize like how different different projects are, how different they feel, and you're much more, I think, equipped to. Uh, I think make a good decision about what you want to run. Because the biggest tragedy you could possibly do is start a business that you don't like running, run it for several years. Uh, even if it's successful, you've now like created a job that you don't like. And the whole point of this is to create a job that you, you do like. Right, exactly. Like uh, 12 newsletters in 12 months. I mean, that, that's, that's <laughs> exactly. another spin on it right there. So let's move on to another story. I've got one that I want to share. Uh, this one comes from Sean Peary. He's the host of the My First Million podcast. Love his show. He's also very transparent on Twitter. And he started a personal newsletter that has one of the craziest stories that I've ever read. So he tweeted about this, actually. It blew up, went viral. Yeah, I got like 3,000 likes and 280 retweets. So he kind of starts off by talking about how he is running this podcast called My First Million. And the podcast has gotten super big. I think they do about 350,000 downloads a month, which is as big as Andy Hackers has ever been in like its biggest month, back when I was doing like two episodes a week. And basically on this show, like him and Sam will just brainstorm ideas but when people hear them brainstorming ideas, they find it hard to sort of take action because, you know, it's one thing to hear about an idea, I hear about a success story, but it's another to actually see, you know, people who talk about the times that they messed up and not just the times they succeeded. And so Sean, we get like all these messages on Twitter and people will be like, hey man, I love this idea that you showed on the podcast, but like, you know, how would you actually go about building this? I don't really know where to start. You know, I'm stuck on this particular step. Like, what should I do? 
And so Sean figured, you know, if people are willing to pay for newsletters, for things they want really bad, maybe they would pay even more for a newsletter where he showed them how to execute instead of just telling them, you know, sort of high-level details. And so his idea ultimately was a paid newsletter that shows you that the day-to-day of how to take an idea from $0 to a million dollars in revenue. And instead of like the typical get rich quick stuff, you know, cliche advice that you see people tweeting, uh, he was going to actually, you know, kind of envisioning like this virtual apprenticeship, he called it, where you kind of see exactly what he does from day to day. He's going to send you a newsletter literally every single day of the week. Like, here's what I did today to get this idea from zero to a million. So we had three different projects. The first was he was going to raise a million dollars from investors who he didn't know. The second project he was going to uh, email tips for were him growing an e-commerce store to $100,000 a month. And the third project he was going to do was him launching an online course that makes a million dollars. And so he, he announces on his podcast, uh, and like to prove your point, you know, earlier, you're saying like, what's the, you know, why are you doing all this stuff? Why are you starting with a blog and a newsletter, et cetera? It's because you wanted to build your own distribution channel. Well, Sean had a distribution channel with his newsletter. And so he was able to get 350 people from his podcast to sign up to his newsletter. And he's not charging like five bucks or 10 bucks a month, like a typical newsletter. He's charging $150 a month for this. So 350 people paying 150 bucks for his newsletter. He had a newsletter that was doing 50 grand a month, almost instantly right out of the gate, which is insane for a newsletter. The way the story ended, though, is a little bit tragic, which is that he quit. (laughs) So the problem for him was that it was an insane amount of work. He already had a full-time job. He already had a podcast he was running. He's married. He has a one-year-old baby. He's kind of like you. (laughs) And now he had this newsletter that he had to send five times a week. So he would like go to work, do all that stuff, come home, you know, kiss his wife. And then like he'd work on his newsletter from like 7 p.m. to like 1 a.m. every single night. And then he was working full days on the weekends because, you know, he didn't just write the newsletter. He actually had to do the stuff he was writing about and like try to build these businesses. So he ended up quitting. He said his goal was to teach 70 million people uh, over the next 10 years. He doesn't want to teach, you know, 700 people <laughs> over the next like year. So uh, it wasn't really the right fit for him. He's already rich. He doesn't need 50 grand a month. But I think that story kind of goes to show kind of what you can accomplish in the newsletter space and like how much space there is that really hasn't been explored. I don't know anybody else charging 150 bucks for a newsletter. Yeah, that's that's the first time I've heard of that. But like, I mean, I agree. I mean, it. Is it really worth it? I mean, from 7 p.m. to 1 a.m., that's how long is that? Like five hours a day or something like that? Or four hours a After day? his job. <laughs> after basically. his job, right? <laughs> like after his eight hour day job or however much he spends on his job. I mean, like, yeah, it's for him, if I was him, like, yeah, I totally drop this. I mean, just it's not worth it. If you're already rich, I mean, why spend that much time? No, especially if his main goal is to, you know, teach 70 million plus people. You can't really do that with paid newsletter because that's kind of what it's all about is exclusivity. I mean, you're not going to get 70 million people paying. Probably not even five bucks a month to learn what he's trying to teach, right? And yeah, I mean, on top of that, he has to build a business alongside with it, right? So, yeah. uh, like the one million dollar or like hundred k uh, econ business, like that's hard in and of itself. Aside from actually building a paid newsletter, right? So doing that both at the same time, I mean, you really got to be an expert, you know, an expert at this to actually pull it off. And and he did, right? But it's yeah, I don't know, man, it's not worth it. Yeah, I think he quit like after the second project. He's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna not do this third one. Everybody here's a refund. I'm out. Good luck. People weren't too disappointed, but he actually has a free newsletter now and I'm subscribed to it. And one of them he had this this cool like life dashboard graphic where he's kind of rating like how happy am I uh, with my life. And so, you know, for health, he put himself out of four out of five. For work, he's like a four and a half out of five. For play, he's a four out of five. Self-respect, he's a four and a half out of five. And then love, like his love life, he's only like a three and a half out of five. So for him, the casualty is maybe his relationship, right? He's spending so much time doing other stuff. Uh, maybe his marriage is suffering, and that's a good reason to cut back. But I think, like, let's say you're an average indie hacker. Let's say you, you're either not working a full-time job, or you, know, you make a less ambitious project. Like, is there some way that you could envision 
to make this work, to be able to charge people upwards of $100 a month to subscribe to a newsletter. You know, it kind of reminds me of um, people building in public. Like right now, people build in public basically for free. You know, they tweet about what they're doing or they make a product page on Indie Hackers and they talk about what they're doing or they might even have like a podcast where they kind of follow their story. But Sean's the only person I know who was doing that and charging money. What's your take, you know, Yara? Have you seen anyone else do this and paid newsletter form? And do you think an average person who hasn't already made millions of dollars can follow in Sean's footsteps and try something like this? Yeah, for sure, man. And yeah, like you're saying, building in public is probably one of the most popular ways to build an audience right now. I mean, Janelle's done it. Tons of people are doing it. And yeah, I mean, I think that's it's definitely viable. I think doing what Sean is doing, but with your product that you're building, like as an indie hacker, I think it's definitely worth it. And you could probably be charging at least like, maybe not 150 because Sean has like that premium brand on him. But I mean, maybe you could charge 150. I don't, I don't know. I mean, why not try it? But, and you know, one, one thing that I've noticed with this, build, you know, like the building in public crowd is that, you know, they build in public, but they don't really go that deep. Like compared to Sean's right. uh, newsletter, who was like really like detailed. I mean, he's telling you every single step that he's doing to actually get to that end goal. While, you know, the building public crowd is just like, okay, I hit, you know, I, today I did this feature and uh, I onboarded this customer and now I'm at 5K MRR. And then tomorrow it's like, okay, now I'm at 6K MRR. So it's really like general overview. So I think taking that one step further and pretty much doing exactly what Sean's doing, but with your own product, maybe it won't be as successful, but still detailing that out for subscribers is probably a really yeah. good idea. Um, do you know uh, Kevin Conti? Yeah, from software ideas. So- software ideas, right, right. So he like so here's here's a really cool idea for for someone out there. Subscribe to his newsletter, find one idea, um, could be any idea, take that idea, and then actually start building it as a newsletter. So, you know, do exactly what Sean was doing with a uh, very detailed daily newsletter where you because you, you know show exactly what you did to build that business. I think that would be a really cool idea. I mean, I would definitely subscribe to something like that. Yeah, I love it. I think that's spot on. I think Sean's just going way deeper than everybody else. Everybody else is building in public. They're kind of just skimming along the surface where Sean was like, no, here's every single detail about what I did every single day this week. And he wasn't just sharing that arbitrarily. He was sharing that because he had a value proposition that these details sort of aligned with. So if you look at the average person who's building in public, they're kind of like, oh, you know, I'm just doing this because I heard you should build in public and it'll help me. So follow along with my journey and, you know, click on my links, et cetera. And like, that's not very compelling. Where Sean was like, hey, I'm going to build three businesses to a million dollars a year. Follow along to get a detailed playbook of how you can do the same thing. And like that's a very clear value proposition. That's not like, hey, do this for me. It's like, hey, do this for yourself. And you know, if you think you can make a million dollars a year by by listening to what Sean's saying, or even half of that, of course it's worth it to pay 150 bucks a month. It's probably worth it to pay thousands of dollars a month. And you know, he had a lot of street cred. Like he's been on podcasts talking about the businesses he's bought and sold and built in the past. So like people believe him, you know, like he has the trust. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I mean, if you take those two trends together, like paid newsletters plus building in public and dude, you got like, you got a really interesting business that, that that's been proven by Sean. Yeah. Let's talk about this other newsletter you brought up and then I think we'll wrap up. It's called uh, Software Ideas by Kevin Conti. Uh, what's the story behind that one? I know Kevin a bit because he posts on Indie Hackers, but um, you know, what do you know about Kevin's story and what should listeners know? Yeah, for sure. So Kevin, yeah, he's doing 10K MRR in five months, which, yeah, I mean, again, that's absolutely insane for a paid newsletter. I mean, wow, amazing. And he pretty much started, uh, you know, he created an MVP, right? No, sorry, he created a product about probably last year or something like that, that, you know, he spent six months actually building and he got nowhere, literally zero customers, no one wanted it. And he's just like, all right, well, you know, screw that. I'm going to actually start something and actually make money from like the get-go, right? So I don't exactly remember why he started software ideas other than that he kind of saw the trend of people actually wanting to 
don't really know what to build. So on Indie Hackers, there's tons of people asking, especially newcomers, like, what do I build? What do I build that's profitable? What do I build that I don't have to waste my time on, like, that I know if I'm going to build this, it will hit 5, 10K MRR or whatever. So we kind of saw that trend and uh, basically, you know, wrapped it up in a paid newsletter. And he sends three ideas out. But he kind of did it in a really interesting way, right? So he didn't just start it. He did kind of like a pre-sale. So he... Uh, created kind of like an MVP-like, you know, newsletter issue with one idea that goes really in-depth. Posted on Indie Hackers, posted on Twitter, Hacker News. And uh, the really cool thing is at the bottom, he was like, you know, if you want more content of this and are, you know, potentially willing to pay for it, uh, you know, just email me at this uh, email. He plugs his email in. And uh, and yeah, and he kind of set a goal to uh, hit a certain amount of uh, pre-sale revenue before actually kind of diving deep into that newsletter. And, uh, and yeah, he hit that in like six days or something like that. Like it was really quick. So that kind of validated the idea that, you know, software ideas was going to make money because people are already paying for it before it's, you know, an actual product. Right. And, uh, and yeah, it's pretty much history ever since. I mean, it's been growing crazy. Like, like I said, five, 10 camera in five months is, is insane. Yeah. It's another example of this pattern of like somebody went out into the world and looked for something. In his case, he was looking for ideas. And then he realized, like, not only is it hard to find ideas, but there are a bunch of other people looking for this too. So what I should do is, like, get really good at finding them and then give them to everybody else so they don't have to do the work of looking, which is the exact same as you and your podcast. Like, you want to find details on how to start a newsletter. It's hard to find. Other people are also looking. So you're going to do the hard work of interviewing people and you're going to give it to them in a podcast. And the other thing that stands out to me from this story is the fact that, as you highlighted, like, like it wasn't, like, working on this for, like, years and years, growing a free subscriber base and then eventually you know, converted like 2% of them to his paid newsletter. He did like a few posts, took pre-sales, saw that it was an idea that people would pay for immediately, and he just came right out of the gate with a paid newsletter. And he's going to $10,000 a month. Have you seen others who do this where they don't have a large free audience, but they flip on the switch to paid content and it works out? Because usually people do the opposite and they build up a big free list first. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of the general, like, go-to playbook, right, is you create a free letter, free newsletter, you build it up to like 1,000, 2,000 subscribers. Theoretically, 5% will convert. Uh, you know, you can do the math. And that's kind of the, the standard playbook. But hey, I mean, if you got a really interesting like productized insights newsletter, just like Software Ideas uh, or like Drew's uh, Trends.VC, there's tons of them out there and you're actually providing real value. I don't see why you need an audience to actually monetize a paid newsletter right off the bat, especially if you're doing pre-sales, right? So sure, if you do a paid newsletter and no one wants it, you know, if you do pre-sales and no one wants it, then obviously don't want it. But if you do pre-sales and you're hitting your actual numbers, then yeah, totally. I mean, you don't need an audience to, to build a product, profitable product. I'm trying to find out how much he's charging for this. I think it was $59 every three months or every quarter. Yeah, I'm on his website now and he's got a quarterly subscription, which is another thing I've never seen for a newsletter. So it's the done-for-you SaaS opportunity experience, he calls it. When you pay, you unlock every past issue of the newsletter and you also will get idea, it says you'll get access to a video series that teaches you how to take the ideas and find traction. But he says the video series is still in development, so you don't get it yet. And it's 57 bucks over three months, which I think is a smart way to, to put it because you know, if he just said like this was going to be you know, 240 bucks a year, maybe people would get sticker shock. But if he you know, breaks it down into quarters, the price is a little bit lower. It's a little bit less of a commitment. Maybe you should try this with your, your community. You know, if you're afraid to raise prices, instead of being like, okay, it's going to be yeah. 59 bucks a year, just try 59 bucks every quarter. Yeah, and maybe exactly. people are willing to pay 59 bucks, but they're, they're not necessarily going to commit for a whole year. Yeah, that's that's actually a good idea. I might I might actually try that out, and uh, you can do that with Ghost as well. So they do quarterly and monthly and yearly and bi-quarterly or however however you want to do it. They got it. So, yeah, I mean it's a smart way to do it. I mean fifty seven dollars per three months. I mean in three months you could probably find one idea that you want to build. 
right? So it's kind of like $50 to $7 for an idea, yeah. plus or minus, right? I mean, you probably don't need a year's worth of subscription because once you have your idea, I mean, do you really want uh, more ideas, right? Um, that's kind of the, the the biggest bane of indie hackers is too, too many ideas, right? Right. Yeah. Like the very format of the newsletter itself is probably somewhat high churn, where if, like you technically, if you subscribe to his newsletter and it does what it's supposed to do, it gives you an idea you want to work on, then you really should graduate from it and start working on that idea and not need any more ideas, which should suggest that he probably should charge even more because like you might have higher churn than another newsletter that provides like ongoing value like the browser. Where, like presumably you're never going to churn from wanting to read you know the best information on the web. Like you'll still be doing that years from now. So software ideas is on bare metrics as a public you know like thing that you can see. So if you go to softwareideas.baremetrics.com, uh, yeah, you can definitely see his churn numbers. You can see his revenue. You can see his active customers and. Uh, like you said, uh, churn is kind of high. If you look at like the last like couple of months, nine uh, percent like churn, I think, is yeah, ten percent. Yeah, nine point three percent, right? I mean, it's down twenty percent. So it used to be eleven point seven percent, right, or up to twelve percent uh, back in December. Um, it's been dropping. I don't know what he's doing to drop that number, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a high churn business. I mean, imagine ten percent of your uh, user base is churning every month. Uh, as a SaaS business, like you're gonna go out of, you're, you'll be out of business like in no time. Exactly. But as a newsletter, you know, if you get this this money up front, and if it's a little bit easier, then I mean, at the end of the day, he's still making what he's up to eleven thousand dollars a month in revenue. And again, this is like less than half a year after he started it, which I think is much faster growth than the vast majority of all indie hackers who are starting a SaaS business. I don't know. I, I think like this is one of those businesses that like are almost inevitable to like <laughs> tons of people are just you know because that's the thing you find an idea and then you stop paying for the newsletter because you got your idea right. That's a, cool. yeah, it's kind of insane looking at these numbers, man. I love these like built-in public companies uh, on bare metrics. Yeah, it's super interesting to see to just kind of go research. Another point here about like the, the sort of nature of what you're writing about. We talked earlier about like the frequency with which you send newsletters. Nivia Chanta with her newsletter, she's sending it once a week because she's sending like actionable tips for you know dealing with climate change. How many actionable things can you really do to deal with climate change every week? Like probably one. You know, probably people will do less than that. Maybe one a month. And so she doesn't have to send it a high frequency. With software ideas, I think it's probably similar. You know, how many ideas can people really take and run with? Probably not that many. <laughs> he doesn't need to send his newsletter daily. You know, once a week or a few times a month is enough for him. Whereas with something like the browser, trying to keep people entertained, or something like you know, Morning Brew or the Hustle, you're trying to keep people informed. People have an almost limitless appetite for entertainment and news. Like they want a little bit of that every single day. And so with those newsletters, not only you know do you have to send probably more often, but you can't actually get away with sending more often and not having that much churn because you're not going to overload people. You know, like if your accountant sent you an email about doing your taxes, you know, every week, you'd be like, I only need this email once a year. You would unsubscribe because it's noise. But if you get, you know, an email about the news once a day from the information or something, or from Morning Brew, you're not going to ever unsubscribe because once a day seems to be about the right frequency. Yeah, for sure. It's like it's like B two C versus B two B newsletters, right? I mean, browser, it's a B two C newsletter, right? I mean, their customers are all just you know regular people, right? Uh, while software ideas, it's more towards kind of businesses. I mean, indie hackers that want to start businesses. So I kind of consider that B two B, right? Because people actually want some sort of actionable insight out of it versus you know being entertained, like you said. So yeah, you can skin the cat like a million ways with a newsletter. Well, cool. We've got uh, more ideas on this list, but I think we're out of time. So I think what people are going to have to do is go to your show and check out the newsletter crew. You can just search for newsletter crew in your podcast player. Subscribe to your show. You've interviewed I think close to forty different people who are making a living from their newsletter. And it's going to be much more. And if people are interested in that, they could potentially join your community as well. And hopefully you charge them much more than 59 bucks a year by the time <laughs> yeah. this episode is out. I want to ask you, you know, before we, we sign off here, from all the different stories you've seen from your experience as an indie hacker yourself, 
Now, what's one lesson you would want to leave listeners with that they can learn from what you've done? Oh man, just, just one idea at a time. I mean, just take it slow, take it easy. Don't try to do 10 things at once. Yeah, just pick one thing, go at it. If it works, keep going at it. If it doesn't work, drop it, start something else. But don't try to start five, six projects at once. It just doesn't work. Don't start five or six projects at once. Don't start two projects at once. Just do one thing at a time. Love it. Uh, Yara Bagri, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, Coraline, for having me. Yeah, do you want to tell people where they can go to find out more about a newsletter crew and also anything else you're working on online? Uh, yeah, so you can go to newslettercrew.com. Um, that's, you know, you can find all the podcasts there. Uh, like Cortland said, you can go out to the actual podcast player type of newsletter crew. You can go to yarabagri.com if you want to sign up for my newsletter. I send it out once a week, just kind of a summary of, uh, what, what, you know, kind of my journey. And uh, yeah, and I'm creating another smaller kind of SaaS micro SaaS called Referral Kid, which is uh, the actual SaaS that I'm building to sell to my newsletter crew audience. I mean, that's, you know, it's still under development, but, you know, may- maybe it'll be out by the time uh, this podcast is out. I mean, that's at referralkid.com. All right. Thanks again, Yara. Awesome. Thank you. Listeners, if you enjoyed this episode and you want an easy way to support the podcast, you should leave a review for us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Probably the fastest way to get there if you're on a Mac is to visit ndhackers.com slash reviews. I really appreciate your support and I read pretty much all the reviews you leave over there. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, I will see you next time. <laughs>